giving back to God based on our text from Genesis chapter 22 verses 1 to 14. And uh, on the occasion of the dedication of my beautiful nephew Samuel Evangelista, I would like to speak on a theme that is normally spoken of in child dedication and that is child sacrifice. So, in the passage this morning, you will fully have confirmed that Uncle Polly is in, indeed very weird and, and uh, sometimes even creepy. Okay, so, um, yeah, but yeah, Sue, so you knew that already. Now, the passage before us is actually, I've, I've looked at it many times and this is not the, the first time that I've spoken about, about this one because it is such a, a special moment. In, in the context of the flow of Scripture and indeed our salvation history. And there are many lessons to be learned from this beautiful story. The first one is that it is a test from God in verse 1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. How do we know it was a test? Because the Bible says so. He came, God came to test his faith. There doesn't seem to be any other explanation or argument as to why this test was needed, what was the, uh, why it happened, it just did. Now, I cannot imagine what emotions must have surged through Abraham's heart as he heard these words, the unmistakable words from God. And this command was so different, so out of character for the God that Abraham trusted as he left the city of Ur. But it must have been such a shock to hear them because he commanded Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Now, much has been written and spoken and many books, of course. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that you would have read stories of the type of tests and trials that God puts his children through and just why God would do that. There are certainly many examples in the Bible of this divine principle that God has, does and will test the children he loves. We have, of course, the examples of Job and the ultimate example of Jesus himself being tested. We have the the communal example of the whole people of Israel being tested. And when God tests his people, it is usually hard for us mere mortals to, 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 to understand it. It's, it's called a theodicy when you're trying to understand why this is happening and, and, and so many emotions are attached to it. It might lead us to, certainly to most of us, to question his actions. The, the, the psalmist asks, how long, O Lord? Why is this happening? It might even lead some believers, not Abraham in question, but believers to question the very character of God. 
How could he do it? Now, remember that the law of Moses at this stage had not yet been given. So there is no specific instruction as to what type of moral behaviour Abraham was to follow, what was right, what was wrong. All that Abraham knew of God was through a personal relationship, the God that he met when he first heard his words back in the land of the Chaldeans. Also remember that Abraham was called the land of the Chaldeans, was a nation, was a pagan nation where child sacrifices were as detestable a practice as it is, would not be a rare thing. It would in fact be pretty common. In 1921, 1921, the largest cemetery of sacrificed infants in the ancient Near East was discovered in Carthage, northern Africa. The actual rite of child sacrifice at Carthage has been graphically described by Diodorus Siculus, and he said this, he says, there was in their city a bronze image of Cronus extending its hands, palms up, and sloping towards the ground, so that each of the children, when placed thereon, rolled down and fell into the sort of gaping pit filled with fire. The Romans had different practices, but they, the Romans, at the time of Jesus and the early church, they, pre- they practiced exposure. A child they did not want, they would simply leave it to the elements expose him outside to the children that they didn't want for whatever reason, imperfections, maybe even a kid that cried too much at night and just say, just put him out, sick of it. Someone wrote a thesis on this ancient practice and concluded, and I quote it, it says, it is impossible to deal with this subject at any length without coming to terms with the the human dimension. How could a culture so well developed morally, intellectually and materially tolerate so abominable a custom? How could a sophisticated people sanction what seems to be such a barbaric practice for so long a time? How, at the most visceral and critical level, could human parents bring about the destruction of their own child? End of quote. Now, before we get too indignant about this, let us remember that in Australia there are 80,000 abortions every year. In the US, about a million Recently, New South Wales passed abortions up to full term. Just just think about that. Up to full term. In Victoria, in Queensland, 100, 200 kids who survive abortion are actually left in the same way that the Romans used to do, exposure, with no care, no assistance offered if they survive even the nine months. Just think about that. Just for the mere fact that it's out of sight, out of mind, we don't hear about it, it's not in the news, you don't hear about it, and maybe somewhere along the line someone will sneak out a statistic, the story is told. Sophisticated nation. 
And we are supposed to be civilized. Somehow, try and get your head around this. This stuff doesn't even happen in developing countries. And yet, civilized society behaves this way. Why? Because the, the, the more that a society moves away from God, we are actually returning to what is known as paganism. And guess who are the most vulnerable in a pagan society? The children. The elderly. It becomes a utilitarian society. You're only worth as much as you can contribute. And in that aspect, because we know how, how difficult it is, how challenging it is to bring up children in this world, in this time, with so many laws, so many so-called protections. And yet, our children will be, with all of that, the children will be a permanent test that God places on us parents will be, all you have to look is your children. How is God going to test me through my children this week? It doesn't stop when they're little children, when they're teenagers, or even after they're married. It continues because that's what a family is. Let me tell you something else, that God, that increasingly the state the state as in the, the government, is, is wanting to have more and more control on your kids. They're trying to push scripture away from the schools and yet it's okay for libraries to have um, transgender reading to kids. That seems okay. But we've got to take the scriptures away. God did not authorise the state to raise children. God authorised mums and daddies and the family to raise kids. Are we passing the test? Are we passing the test? Now, here is the challenge. This gift from God, verse 2, the gift from God. Then God said, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. I'll tell you about I read that verse again because you need to get your head around just what he's asking here. We, We get some idea of how special Isaac was in God's description of him. God actually describes him these ways. Please notice three aspects that offer us as only the scriptures can, uh, a forward picture of a father who was also preparing for another sacrifice many years later. God called him. He said, your son. This was the son of promise. This was a son through whom a multitude will be brought to birth. This was a son whose seed the whole earth would through whom the whole earth will be blessed. And when God called Abraham, he certainly promised some real estate to the promised land. But what's the point of having a lot of real estate if there is no heir, if there is no 
nation to occupy it. But then God waited to fulfill his promise. He waited for years as Abraham and Sarah got older and older. Abraham tried to hurry things a bit. So through Hagar, Ishmael was born. And that's another story. But Ishmael was not the child of God's promise. Isaac was. And this was a lesson, obviously, in trusting God's provision for them. And finally, they saw God's provision being fulfilled in this son of promise. Your son. And then God says, your only son. Like we said, strictly speaking, he had another son who was Ishmael, but that was not the son of promise. And it seems a bit risky that God would, would put everything, would pin all the promises on this one, only one son. And then, to top it off, God describes him as the son, Isaac, whom you love. It's a beloved son. God was asking Abraham to give up the son who was the very answer to his prayers. Must have sounded, must have seemed like illogical. But what had seemed logical was not always God's will, was it? After all the years of walking with God, has he finally learned that if he would trust God's word, that God would take care of him no matter what, that God will provide for his needs no matter what. Now, the love of parents for their offspring, of course, is not always to be assumed. A few years ago, there was a legal fight for the custody battle for the, for the daughter of the late adult, let's call her adult entertainer, Anna Nicole Smith. Now, most times when someone in a short relationship and then suddenly you find out that, you're, that the woman is pregnant and, uh, you know, then go and look for the father and so DNA tests and all of this and the father... The fathers, or those who are potential fathers, tend to hide because they don't want this potential child to, you know, cramp your style and your lifestyle more like it. Not this time, though. Not this time. With a baby's net worth, a potential net worth of half a billion dollars, there were plenty of men putting their hands up to be the fathers of this child. It was all love. It was all love. But here, there is clearly a love between Abraham, Abraham and Isaac. It was God who gave him in the first place. And the other words, God tested Abraham. The word seems like an understatement, doesn't it? God puts his finger on the most valuable thing in his life, the most precious thing in his life. And God puts his finger on it. Basically saying, I want him back. I want him back. Did Abraham love Isaac more than God? Did Abraham love the gift more than the giver? 
Is that what this test is all about? Perhaps in part. But I, I believe there's, there's actually more to, the, to this test. So in verses 3 to 8, we, we come to the gift back to God. You know, you probably heard of the old expression, uh, Indian giver, which refers to someone who gives you a gift and then wants it back. For whatever circumstances. Now, if Abraham felt this way about God, one could understand. What? First you give me the gift and now you want it back. How does that work? But there's no... There's not a hint in, in, in the reading of the passage that that's the way that Abraham felt. I'm, we, we're sort of reading into that, which is wrong. Because Abraham comes, comes at it, this command from God, he comes at it from a, a different angle, which is surprising. He says he was determined. How do we know that? Because early the next morning, he says, early the next morning. I don't know about you, but when God might ask me to do something difficult, I'm twisting and turning and trying to find a million excuses not to do it. People tell all different type of story and come up with all different type of excuses procrastinating at a command from God because, nah, it's too difficult, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. Jonah tried that. The Bible tells us that Abraham got up early the next morning and got things ready. And then he tells us he was prepared. He saddled his donkey, cut the wood, and, uh, and, and as a seasoned traveller, you know, they, he would have known because he travelled from place to place. He would have known what to bring, what to take, what to leave out. Someone says that if you're going to do something, you might as well do it right the first time. Nothing's missing. Then the Bible tells us he was hopeful. At the foot of Mount Moriah, Abraham told his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there and we will worship and then we will come back to you. We will come back to you. Knowing that he fully intended to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, he nevertheless had the faith that they somehow, somehow would return together. And as they walked up the mountain, Isaac raised an issue. Having watched his father prepare everything meticulously, everything was there except an important part of the sacrifice. So he asked him, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And I'm sure that Abraham, you know, maybe even his heart bleeding out of his chest, choking with emotion as he answered these words, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Just think about that. And, and to, to, to fill in this, this, this aspect of it, Hebrews 11 gives an explanation. And, and it says in, in verses 17 to 11, in Hebrews 11, it says, 17 to 19, it says, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac 
back from the dead. So even before he was willing to sacrifice his son, he sort of figured that God, the God that he knew, would somehow bring him back from the dead. One of the great statements made in the Bible by a man who had everything given to him by God and in the blink of an eye lost all his possessions, lost all his kids and even his health. He said this, he says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. You know, the best thing that Abraham ever did for Isaac was to actually tie him up on that altar and to surrender him back to God. Best thing Isaac ever did, who would be a teenager by now, was allow himself to be tied to the altar and surrender himself to the will of the Father. Think about it, a teenager and an old man. Don't you think he had enough strength to just, that's it, I'm, I'm going from here? Now, all our kids are gifts from God. Wouldn't you rather surrender your kids to God rather than to the world? What would happen if your son or daughter... is called to the mission field to go to a dangerous part of the world. And that, after having studied a career in medicine, engineering, teaching, whatever it might be, or maybe just being good at what they do and suddenly, mom, dad, I feel that God is calling me to go Iraq, Iran. Has God done done that before? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Do you think it was just about the kids or the the people being called to go or did you think there was a family behind them that actually had to say, go, my son, go with our blessing. We will, you know, if this is the last time we see, we see each other, go. You have our blessing to go. Abraham was saying, Lord, this young man belongs to you, not me. You do with him as you please, he's yours. That child that we behold, the child that we have, they don't belong to us. They belong to God. To God. They're a precious gift, a wonderful gift. They're on loan to us for a while. We need to give them back to God. Then in verse 12, the complete surrender. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. When it was clear that Abraham was ready to slay Isaac, an angel of the Lord stopped him. Abraham had totally surrendered his all to the Lord. His son, Isaac, was returned to God. 
And, and this, this idea of uh, submission and, 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 and surrender is, is illustrated in the, in the animal kingdom, believe it or not. Now, we have two dogs at home. We have a, an older Labrador, who is Priscilla's dog, and uh, we have a, a young husky who uh, is Nathan's dog. So both dogs aren't mine, um, but we just got to look after them. Isn't that the way it works? Oh, the third one. No, Ricky, uh, yeah, that's been yeah, given up for adoption to the, to the Ronnies. So, yeah. Now, the, when we brought uh, the husky, the young husky, uh, to, to the home, uh, the relationship didn't start off in the best of ways. Let's just say that. Because they had to sort out territorial boundaries. And that first hour was quite tense, you know, as you can imagine, right? And since that moment, since that moment, they reenact the same scene as they now play with each other. And they play pretty rough, I must say. They are both of them are girls, all right? Now, when the husky realises he can't win, he indicates surrender by lowering himself and exposing the underside of his neck to the teeth of the, the older but now friendly foe. And the plover would actually lock, basically put the, the, the jaws on the underside, the neck of the dog. The victor does not kill her. Instead, allows the conquered one to go free. And this is a play that they do a few times a day just to remember who's boss. And the relationship continues. Now, we must be willing to give back to God what is most precious to us. A few times it's not even our kids because sometimes the possessions we have, we value over our children. It should never be so. He wants more than our spare time and our leftover possessions. He wants to be the Lord of everything in our lives. And, and, and only after we, we are willing to let go of what we love, then we will experience the freedom that comes by yielding our lives to him. And in a way, it's putting our neck out and saying, God, our, life, our lives are in your hands. In verses 13 to 14, a provision from God. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a, a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. One of the characteristics of God's provision, and you probably already have this 
you've experienced this in your own life, is that God provides the right thing at the right place and at the right time, not before. At this time, it was a, a ram caught in a bush, precisely what Abraham needed to complete the sacrifice. After aborting the, the, the sacrifice, we needed a substitute. We needed a substitute. And a ram was provided by God. Nothing else would have sufficed for the sacrifice to be complete. It's not like we're not going to have a sacrifice. We're going to have a sacrifice, but God will provide for it. Now, if God provided what Abraham needed, God will provide the right thing for us as well. He is still Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Ultimately, our social security is in God's hands. He will meet our deepest need for his greatest glory. The God who, who made us is more than capable to taking, taking care of us. Just last night I was at a dinner for a, uh, an organisation that's called uh, Transform Cambodia. And they, it's an organisation, it's a charity which works with children, children that uh, are street kids in Cambodia. And it started by two architects in, from Perth, Christians. Basically, on the way back from, from a holiday, they stopped over and God just opened their eyes. God spoke to them, this is, this is the place where we're going to use you. So they came back and started a program started with one, two kids, three kids. They, they, bring, they bring these kids up. It's, it's not an orphanage. They go to school and then they come to be educated. And now they're starting to see some of these kids graduate from university. Think about it. Kids who had no hope. In fact, one of the girls, um, we saw a picture yesterday, was actually thrown into the rubbish, picked up by a family... And now that family is using the services of Transform Cambodia in order to give them further education and sponsorship. And, and guess who pays for the university fees and, and to bring these kids up, give them a future? It's this organisation. They have 3,500 kids now in their program. Think about it. The kids that the world says, you know, you're worth nothing. And then giving them hope and a future. You know what? I don't know where God's going to test you, how he's going to test you. It might be a little test. It might be a big test. But test us, he will. And the parallels between this passage and God's ultimate provision for our salvation are uncanny, I tell you. There was actually a, a, a Jewish atheist who knew his history and he said he could not understand the story of Genesis 22 of Abraham sacrificing, willing to sacrifice his son. It just doesn't make sense with God and he's, therefore he's one of the reasons why he's no longer a believer. And uh, the answer to that was, 
that story will not make sense unless there is another mountain, another hill called Calvary, which makes it, it says, this is just the... It's pointing to something greater, isn't it? The backdrop. Many years later, a father will also lead his son, a son that he loved, an only son, up a hill for a sacrifice. Many years later, another son of promise would also carry on his back the object on which he would be sacrificed. This son also questioned the father at the moment of testing, and, but then willingly submitted to the father's will. This Lamb of God was the perfect substitute for our sins. The big difference here, folks, is that this father this, did, did not stay the hand of the executioner, but proceeded with the suffering and eventually the full death and sacrifice of the perfect son. How many times has God met a need in our lives at the right time? Just the right thing. How often, however, do we forget his goodness and simply say, well, that was just a coincidence, you know. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. You can count on it. In fact, I, I want to close with these, these words of the Apostle Paul, which brings everything we've, we've covered this morning so well together. And this is what he says in Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And we can say it confidently. We can also say it expectantly that this is the Father worthy of complete trust and complete surrender. Amen.